Hey, what's up? This is Ranting with Randy. I'm Randy, and this is a podcast about anything and everything that can drive a sane person stark raving mad. It, and it really, this is COVID-related, it's politics-related, so I guess it's it's not really anything and everything. It's it's mostly the same shit that's been driving us mad for the last, like, six months. And this is a lot of Lincoln Mitchell, a little bit of me, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of F, a lot of feelings. This, this podcast is brought to you by the letter F. That is all I, I will I will lead with that, and and I'm pretty sure you can figure the rest out for yourself. Lincoln's gonna Lincoln's gonna drop some f bombs, truth bombs, knowledge bombs into your brain, just about you know the vice presidential pick, Joe Biden, where we're going with the election, and Trump. You know, a little bit of the huge, a little bit of you know sprinkled with some you know new thoughts and feelings, and uh, a lot less of me. So that's that's sometimes a good thing, and. When Lincoln, Lincoln's like E.F. Hutton. <laughs> when Lincoln talks, people listen. You remember that commercial? Uh, okay, I digress. Without any further ado, here is, here it is. Here is Lincoln, Lincoln, mostly Lincoln. Uh, and that's uh, mostly a good thing. So, all right, so we're, let's start because, first of all, we just had the bombshell-ish. It was so much hype for this Letitia James yeah. announcement, and it's it's really just res- dissolving the corrupt-as-fuck NRA. So I don't know where you want to start, if you want to go back to what you were talking about. Well, let's uh, go back for a second. So okay. Actually, so, so I was just noting how on my Mitchell Minute, which is a minute of me discussing politics relevant to the events of the day, but you should all follow. It's all over. So I'm on my social media feeds and also on my YouTube channel. But there was one I made a couple weeks ago. What's your YouTube channel? You know, I don't have. I have to have a hundred followers before I can rename it like Lincoln Mitchell. You know, it's Lincoln Mitchell. Yeah, if you search. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll post a link yeah. to it. Don't worry. Go ahead. But uh, about Bill Barr and I, all of these, you know, conservative Trump people, you know, viewing it and commenting, which is fine. I mean, it's public. Anybody can see it, right. regardless of their political views. And what struck me about their comments were two things. One. There's no, or three things. One, there's no political discourse here. There's no, there's no, no, nobody's saying things like, look, Bill Barr's the attorney general, and, you know, he's, he's not responsible for what the DHS troops do, and they shouldn't be asking about that. That's a reasonable position. It's none of that. It's just personal, you know, what are you, retarded? You're an idiot. You look stupid. Just like, and like, I've been called worse. I don't care. I know, but but the R word is terrible. Go ahead. It is. It is. But as soon as someone tells you, calls you a name or comments on your looks, what they mean is you're right, I'm wrong, and I'm angry. Right. right? But the anger is very clear. And then secondly, how deep they are in just this fake news stuff, this like alternate reality, right? Up is down, hot is cold, cold is hot, and you can't argue with someone like that, right? Someone who really believes that Adam Schiff is about to be indicted tomorrow. This was a week ago someone made this comment. He's been sure making this comment for a year for accepting money from Iran. Like, if that's inside your head, you're not functioning in the shared reality. And about a third or fourth of the country has removed themselves from that from that shared reality. And, and then I saw this on a Twitter pissing match into which I found myself, for some reason, somebody posted, you know, Lisa Booth, who I've actually been on television with and who was rude, insulting, and dishonest with me when I was on television with her, but she said on this Twitter feed, you know, how come the news media isn't reporting that things are so much better in the Southwest than in the blue states in the Northeast? And I said, in your world, is it really better in Florida than in Massachusetts now? And a number of people said on the right, because it says she's a right-wing Fox person, said, well, it is. Look at the deaths per capita. And in fact, if you want to make the argument that there are more deaths per capita in Massachusetts and Florida, there are. And that's a reasonable position to take. Now, if you want to look at the last two months, you get to a very different data point, right? right. But we could argue about that, right? That's fine. People are allowed to have different opinions. What struck me is that there is a real, I didn't know this because I don't pay enough attention, 
mercifully. But there was a real some people kept talking about herd immunity, right? And this is a really misunderstood concept, which the right has exploited. Herd immunity is a term that usually is in, in kind of modern medicine refers to vaccines, right? If we discover a vaccine, not wait, you and I aren't working on it, but if they discover a vaccine, that's for and, damn sure. And and seventy or eighty percent of the people get it, then it doesn't. Then, then the next twenty percent aren't vulnerable because the, the virus can't last because it, it dies if it comes to me, it dies if it comes to you. Right? There's person. not enough people to spread it. Right. Even That's I understand that is. concept. So you, you if you if you immunize seventy percent super fast, and then and then you can't get to hundred percent right away, you're gonna you're gonna save a lot of lives, right? Then there's this notion of herd immunity, which is kind of the Boris Johnson. It works its way through the population. The problem is. For, to get to that point without any vaccine, you're going to lose right. not 250,000, but a couple million lives. Um, and people really don't understand that. So they're saying we're reaching herd immunity. We're almost at herd immunity. If you ex- but, and, and that's really dangerous because policies that think we're going to get there by herd immunity will we'll, we'll, we'll multiply the death toll by five or ten. But there's not people out. in Florida. There's not people in Massachusetts walking into a DMV without a mask and intentionally screaming in people's faces. There's not a guy in Massachusetts that walks up to a boy that refuses to take his mask off and then spits in his fucking face and gets arrested. So you, I, I just, I get so aggravated. I mean, you want to talk about I mean, things I on a medical level, fine. I was, I was really struck by this photograph that was kind of all over the internet yesterday of a high school in Georgia. Oh. Starting school. And With the three I, masks in the hallway and the 750 but, kids shoulder as, to shoulder? A, you know, I, I was looking, and there was a young woman who was a high school student, I think, in the photograph with a mask on. And I don't know this person's name. It's not my business. She's a minor. I'm, it's, it, and I don't, even know, I don't even know if you should be posting pictures of minors on the Internet without their permission, but I think that's something that young people do. It was, from a, news, it was from a newspaper. Okay, it was actually the but, newspaper okay, article. So I'm sure they signed the release or whatever, but the, the look in this young woman's eyes was really fear. Right. And, and I felt like, oh, my God. Like it's I'd also it's fear too. of the virus. It's fear of being ridiculed by your peers. Right, it's fear it's, of your it's, parents. It's fear of your parents. It's petrifying. It's I mean, and, and it's really, I mean, I felt very badly for her. I didn't know who she is. But the, I psychologic, her projecting, but. the psychological trauma. What I've been talking about most with my friends and who, some of who are, are parents and some of who are not is the, is the ongoing psychological trauma that, is, that everyone is going to need to be completely unfucked from this shit because everyone on some level is being yeah. deeply affected and this looked like this poor girl in this photo maybe she asked not to go to school because she was afraid right, maybe right. she didn't even want to be there the and she was forced the, the to go are threatening people if you don't go to school you get suspended dude the Colorado State football team you want to talk about sports they're threatening players with cutting their playing time okay sorry so I was talking about this Colorado football right. team with the coach and all the coaching staff telling these kids, they're kids, these are young adults, telling them, if you snitch us out for not following the protocols, your playing time will be cut, you're, you're going to be benched, you're going you're, you're to be kicked off the team, you're going to get us shut down, we're not going to be able to play, we're not going to be able to get revenue, we're not going to be on TV. I mean, it is absolutely beyond ridiculous. And I don't know if you wanted to take a dive and talk more about, like, Trump going off the fucking rails with his interview. He just had that stupid interview with Geraldo this morning that I followed on Twitter, which was unbelievable. Even Geraldo was like, bro, you can't talk about Joe Biden in the Bible. And he was like, okay, people around Joe Biden. And he was like, I have to watch my word grouping. I mean, it's 
his interview with Jonathan Swan. I don't even know where you wanna where you wanna start. And Jonathan Swan's interview, to be honest, wasn't all that fucking stellar. The guy just asked follow up questions that he couldn't right. answer. I mean, there is, you know, what Swan did. I thought is that he treated. Trump the way you would treat a human being. And and I think Trump is so weirdly not human that people don't treat him like a normal person. Well, I don't think he's ever been treated normal. That no. is the problem. And I really thought Letitia James was going to come in and, like, smack down some f- fucking accountability for once. And, and I mean, listen, not, dissolving the NRA is not a small thing. And the crimes that she well, was listing this, out— I mean, and, and also, you know, this close to an election— it's, it's tough to do. I mean, we're in that window now, right? 90, this, 89 days, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, this election bread has been largely baked. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, now Barr is going to try, you know, I would expect, for example, Hunter Biden to be indicted in, in October. I don't, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, I mean one, I think what, what the, uh, the Trump campaign is now in the position of doing two things. I mean, if you listen to the kind of Trump world, one, don't believe the polls. The polls are wrong in 2016, which isn't really true. I keep saying this. Right. Go back and look at the polls. The polls weren't wrong. It was the analysts that were wrong because we couldn't believe what was actually happening. Mm-hmm. And the second thing they're saying is, you know, something is going to happen to change this election. No, they're also but, talking about mail-in voting is only works in the states that he can that he can win and in all the other right. states that he's going to lose. Right, it's right. a complete you know, there's, fucking there's fraud. General, what, what, generally, he's trying to steal the election. I mean, we have to call it what it is. Um, and he will continue to try to steal the election until he's until he's out of the office. I mean, but but there also there's this notion of there's some thing that's going to change the election, and there's not. If nobody, I mean, one thing that increasingly strikes me about American politics right now is that Donald Trump is is no longer the sun around which politics revolves in America, and Donald Trump is the last person to know that. And the Republican party, the people in the Senate, what they're thinking about is, I promise you, I promise you, if you're a major Republican fundraiser, a funder who gives, you know, $20,000, $100,000 every year, what you are thinking right now is, how do I save the Senate? You've forgotten Trump, right? And McConnell doesn't care if people support Trump or not, because he needs to be the majority leader. The biggest, the thing that could wipe out the Senate, the Republicans, right. for, a gener- for, for making just irrelevant is... Losing enough seats and getting rid of the filibuster. And here's where Biden is wrong. You have to get rid of the filibuster on day one. He's not going to be able to work with the Republicans. And only when he's sufficiently popular in the beginning will he have the strength to get rid of the filibuster. But right now, McConnell's thinking, I have to have 51 seats. But if I don't, at least if I have 40 seats, I can stop all legislation. Can't control judges, but can stop legislation. But I don't. But that's only if there's a filibuster. So so Trump, like, like the Republicans leadership is now making a decision do we continue do we break with trump and save our own skins or do we jump onto the trump ship right as it's about to plow into the iceberg and and the only kind of caveat to that is that unless they think he can successfully steal the election and that's what this is about he's not done anything in the last three months or more aimed at winning a swing voter he's done things aimed at mobilizing his base and at sowing doubt about the election itself and give and and then not giving a fuck about the Hatch Act and wanting to make his announcement right, right. at the fucking White House, which is right. which is also completely at this point and also irrelevant. Ma- it I doesn't mean, matter. It doesn't matter because no one is gonna. There's. I mean, there's nothing that Donald Trump. I mean, you know what strikes me about the Swan interview is that it's not that he sounded like, you know, is that his not not that his mental incapacity was. Front, what was unavoidable and was un- unmissable. 
But that somebody in his campaign team said that thought that was a good idea. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. But I don't think that's what happened. I think I he think thought it was a good idea. He insisted on it. Yeah. And this is a campaign that is out of control. Right? He thinks Not he's smarter than everybody else. He thinks he knows better than everybody and else. Because nobody wants to challenge him. Right. You know, I mean, nobody wants, I mean, look, when you're running a campaign, you have to shout. I mean, I don't think anyone's gotten elected to a major office without having, a, without having had a shouting match with their campaign manager or consultant and lost that shouting match. Maybe not a shouting match, but an argument. You have to be able to say, I mean, you know, if, if I'm running the Trump campaign, I'm saying, just don't go out in public. Like, every time you go in public, you're hurting us. <laughs> every time you tweet, every time you right. open your let mouth. The, let, the, let the campaign ads do their thing. Let us do our field operation. And, and this can't be about you. You're, but, but, but you can't tell that to someone who functions the way Donald Trump does. So... What is he going to say from the White House in that speech? And yes, it is in violation of what we would think of as the Hatch Act or basic campaign finance laws. But so what? Like, like just, just what is he going to say? What can Donald Trump say? I mean, this is I mean, you know, the key here is that is that when you are the president and no one trusts you anymore, you're effectively not the president. Right. I mean, he is. And, and, and I'm going to say, like, like, the more I watch Biden. Biden's losing it, too. You know, uh, you know, there was I just clicked on an article I mean, online that was like this. Why we pit stopped at another 77 year old when there are so many other qualified, younger, more dynamic. But, but look, he won the primary and I didn't support him in the primary. And I didn't support the other old man in the primary either. Right. They were not among my top choices. Right. I, by the time I voted, it was wrapped up. But I, didn't, I voted for Warren in the primary. Um, Would have been but, nice. I voted anyway. It's on the ballot. I, I know. I I'm just saying it would have been nice. It would have been nice to redeem to but, redeem but ourselves with a woman. Have. I know. This is who we have. And the only the only reason to think that Joe Biden is, you know, mentally sharp and on top of it is because he's so much sharper and more on top of it than his opponent. Right. Just in terms of the mental facilities. But I mean I, I think I told you just before, my father died when he was eighty five. My mother is, is about three years older than uh, older than Joe Biden. And when they're that age, when they're in their late seventies, respectively, they both said to me. I remember my father was talking about some candidate. He said, he said the hubris to think that you can be president at this age. And he said, "I know I don't. I'm not as smart. I'm not as sharp as I once was." So it's true of Biden. On the other hand, we are down to a. We have a binary choice. Right. The binary choice now is also going to be impacted by who he picks as his vice president because it, I, Susan Rice popped out of the fucking nowhere. Yeah, so let me begin by making my official endorsement again. Okay. I don't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Vote for whoever he puts on the ticket. Yeah. I don't care. If you want Kamala and he doesn't pick Kamala, don't have a tantrum for two weeks. Support the ticket. If you hate Kamala and he puts Kamala Harris on the ticket, support the bloody ticket. It doesn't fucking matter. Okay? Yeah. It doesn't matter. All that matters is tact tactically who helps him get over the hump this time. And by the way. Is there a hump? How big is the hump? Is it, just, here's, let is, me it is it a bump or is it like a here's, let me be specific. Hump. Here's what you want. You want you do not want whoever's the nominee, Bass, uh, Harris, Timmy. Bass Dunford. is out. She Bass is out once that Scientology shit know, hit the fan. She's so good what? on the other stuff. Is she? I don't know anything oh, yeah. about her, but she's what? not going to be the nominee. That because of that Scientology stuff, and and that, to me that's a deal breaker. But let me tell you, who something. leaked that? Somebody didn't want her to win, and they put that shit I, out so there in a heartbeat. Came out two weeks before she, he made the decision, rather than two wow. weeks after he put her on the ticket. But let me tell you something about Karen Bass. She's fucking awesome. 
give me the she give me in a nutshell. Give me in a nutshell why she's so awesome and why this Scientology. Because she's a super smart, super progressive African American woman from L.A. that doesn't take shit, has enormously deep roots in the community, and was the speaker of the California Assembly, which is the second most important legislature in the United States of America. And she was a very good speaker. She is the head of the Congressional Black Caucus. There's not a single person in Congress who gets the, the maybe Barbara Lee from from uh, North the Bay Area who understands the cop issue better than Karen Bass, she would be a great... I vote for, for president tomorrow, happily. Huh. Having said that, she not have me on the ticket. <laughs> I, well, she should have just apologized and said she made a mistake. Instead, she yeah. tried to, like, soft-talk her way and tiptoe and then, out of it, I mean, and it didn't work. Mind, Scientologists are terrible. These are horrible movements. These are horrible people, and you shouldn't... And, and, and you have to know that, you know? Um, but I tell you this much, if it's Kamala Harris... I'm very fucking happy. If it's Tammy Duckworth, I'm very fucking yeah. happy. If it's Susan Rice, I'm a little puzzled, but I'm still very fucking yeah. happy. You get the point. If it's Gretchen Whitmer, if it's someone who's not on the list, it doesn't matter. I tell you this much. You make a list of the 20 women, 20 top candidates, and you pick any one of them, any one of them, and all of them are so much better, so much smarter, so much more qualified than Mike Pence to be vice 100%. President. And you know what and, else? And, and all of them could be president two fucking morals. And they just might, and they just might be. Donald Trump, who's been there for three and a half years and still isn't ready to be president. And they just might be, because he's going to be a one and dunner, and then it could... So so first of all, I don't care. Right. I don't care. I'm going to say this. Whoever he puts (laughs) on the ticket, I'm going to make my reaction now. Uh, We're going to keep replaying it. We're going to put it on loop. Go ahead. So he endorses, he says, I nominate so-and-so. So the ticket is Biden so-and-so. And my, 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 my view is let's fucking elect Biden so-and-so. Do whatever we can to elect right. Biden so-and-so. It doesn't matter. Okay? I'm, I'm on board. I am on, I am on team that. I am on team Biden and so-and-so. I am 100% yeah. good with that. I just was very surprised. Else. He might run for a second term. I'll tell you why. I, I think he might be – I think there might be a little chivalry left in the guy, and maybe he gracefully bows out and says, no, let's make a I'll woman president. Oh, I'll come on. I'll tell you why. If you if they let if you people know that you're not running for a second term, you're not an effective president. Because everybody in the Senate looks around and says, let's say he puts Harris on the ticket. Right? Okay. We got Biden Harris. Now, in my view, I'll be frank, I like Harris. In my view, Harris has star power. She's dynamic, she's super smart, she's got a great resume, she's great on television. I know she got out of that race early, but I think she'd be very good. She's also oh, approachable. She has the mom factor. Yeah. You feel like you can yeah. walk over to her and she'll give you a hug. Yeah, exactly. So everyone looks around and they say, shit, if he's not running, Harris is going to be the nominee unless I do something to stop her. So I'm not going to cooperate because every Biden victory is a Biden-Harris victory, right? Okay. The same way in the, in, the, in the primary, remember he kept talking about we, Obama-Biden. Every Obama victory was a Biden victory. One of the reasons Biden was, such, was so well-liked as the nominee in 2008 was because people thought he'd be too old in 2016 to run, <laughs> right? Whereas if, so as soon as he says he's not running for a second term, yeah, he's, so, a lame yeah duck. he's a lame Whereas duck. Whereas if he says, look, look, let's say he puts, let's say Harris again, or Duckworth, or Demings, or Bass, or Whitmer, doesn't matter, right? On the ticket. And let's say he gets a really good chief of staff like this guy, Ron Klain, who's super smart. Right. Forever, right? Look, Biden knows how this works. He's been in, in a very good white. Barack Obama, best president of my lifetime, right? Joe Biden was there every day of that presidency. He knows how a good presidency functions. And let me tell you something, Barack Obama is so much better organized than Joe Biden, like night and day. But hopefully he learned something from Obama. Right? Well, plus he's got Obama there. It's not like the dude's not going to be there for him. Right. So, so, so he builds a White House that functions. He has a good staff and a strong vice president. And he's getting older. So what? He runs again and he wins. The staff <laughs> and the vice president. You, I mean, Reagan, who was not quite as old as Biden, but who was out of it. Right. 
they knew how to manage him and he knew how to manage himself. I never liked Reagan. I never believed in the things he believed in, but he was effective because he knew how to do what he could with the tools he had. And I think Biden could be the same. I'll tell you this much. By 2024, you voting for Biden or Tucker Carlson? Get the fuck, the frozen food air! Tucker Carlson! You're voting for uh, Biden or Donald Trump Jr.? Fredo's going to jail, bro. Fredo is going to jail. Tom Cotton, right? You're voting for Biden, right? Tom Cotton. It's every keep keep listing the the racist Matt Matt Gates. You get the point. So it's one tool out of the toolbox after another. That's right. And it's horrendous. All right, so now we just sit and wait for the for the vice presidential uh, pick. No, we, we, it, we, it was we supposed have, to be this week. I mean, we're running out of days. Maybe this weekend. Be a be a hell of a Friday night news dump if he drop. He's not going to drop that on a Friday night. No, 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 no. He he might do it Monday. You know. Oh, I guess he gets the extended week. Is that how it works? I mean, it doesn't. You know, he's supposed to. He was, it should have been done already. He said it was this week, but I, I suspect that just a couple things happen. One. Bass, he just decided he couldn't go with, so she may have been the one. And, and then, oh and then, fuck then yeah! This kind of, I think, sexist pushback and racist pushback against Kamala Harris from these old white guys, Chris Dodd and Ed Rendell, right? Who, who there was a story in Politico where, where, where oh. they were, you know, she wasn't sufficiently apologetic for attacking. But who the fuck cares? Whoever asked a white man to be apologetic for campaigning hard for an office, right? Fuck that. So, so I think that if he had to do damage control because if he wants Harris, he's got to say to these people, I'm supporting Harris and you're, and you're being on that stage with her and you're going to support her because this is bullshit. You know? So I'm hoping that's what happens because to get talked out of Harris, who I think is still the best, the best nominee, everything considered. Everything considered. I think the only issue, like somebody, somebody else said, I can't remember, is the comfort factor. Is the personal comfort factor that Biden has with Susan Rice from being in that working White House together versus— Here's the problem with Susan Rice. Here's the, and I like Susan Rice, right? First of all, I think I could live with Susan Rice as Secretary of State, right? I mean, that'd be a fine Secretary of State. Right. We could all—you like, want someone doing your foreign policy who you're like that with, very close with? Susan Rice— let her run the State Department. It's the best job. That's like that's the best appointment you can get if you're a foreign policy person, and and we're fine with that. No one has a problem with that. I certainly have a problem with that. Here's the problem I have with Susan Rice, and it's not her personally, and it's not her politics. Is this? There's nothing like being in a high-profile campaign. There's no experience like it. Kamala Harris has run three times statewide in a major state with major media organizations. The Los Angeles Times is one of the best newspapers in America. The San Francisco Chronicle has very good local political reporting. The San Jose Mercury News, same thing, right? The television, the press in Sacramento. There's a, all the blogs and the, and the you know. That whole culture, that whole political, political culture. Writers. Right. They scrutinize someone, right? She's been through the ringer. She won three times in that state. There's nothing going to come out against Kamala. Oh. Now, here's the thing about Susan Rice. I know nothing about Susan Rice. I hope that she's had a great personal life. Right. I, I hope that she's a happy person and has a happy family. And, you know, I don't even know if she's married or not, but I hope she is married. She's happily married. It's a really good point. Single. I don't care, right? But imagine the worst, most embarrassing story in your life, right? And imagine the first time you're publicly confronted with it, it is with 40 television cameras in your face and it's on a national campaign. It doesn't matter what that is, right? <laughs> I'm trying. It doesn't matter what that is. But... If you've never had that experience, the first time you have it is horrible. And you cannot have that experience for the first time in a national campaign. That's what scares me about, about Susan Rice. That's the only thing. I am just 
concern. I mean, what are they going to say about Kamala? She's been asked every. Yeah, she's she's going to get TMZ'd. I think that's going to be with, the problem. And same with Tammy Duckworth, by the way, who's my second. Who I think is also a great choice. I think Duckworth is is very important. Would be a great choice because she speaks to veterans. Yeah. Well, she. I don't think she'd be scared. I also don't think she'd get shook by a lot of the things that Mike Shake, like you, you said, don't think that Susan Rice, that, that, that got her legs blown off in Iraq and then went back. You don't think you think she's gonna be scared of Mike Pence? I don't think. Yeah, so. no, I think she she said something about like she she could do something better with with both of her like legs. There was some she made some right. in 1988. Comment. In 1988, Jesse Jackson said, and I still stand by this. He said, "I would rather have FDR in a wheelchair than Ronald Reagan in a white horse, and I'd rather have Tammy Duckworth in a wheelchair than Donald Trump on some imaginary white horse." Trump doesn't have the balance or coordination. Yeah, there's not enough Adderall on and the planet to make horse. that. Yeah, there is. That is not happening. Massive, like one of those Clydesdales from the Budweiser commercials or something. Listen, he's Reagan a, was out. He'd actually he's a few. Away. He's he's a few strokes short of being finished. There's not going to be many more trips to Walter Reed in his future. I'm you know, my, I'm, I'm my, telling you. My my father, who passed away last September, he kept saying to me, he can't. He's not going to survive four years. And my father was convinced of this. Ironically, my father, uh, Trump outlived my father, which really isn't. It's unfair. Yeah, yeah, that's that's wrong. But but he was like, 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 look at him. Look what he eats. Look how angry he is all the time. Look how he sleeps. He's not going to make it. Now I I don't. I want to be clear. I don't wish death on the president. I wish pain, suffering, and imprisonment on the president. On the president. But the actual reality is, I mean, I mean, Nancy Pelosi was right. He is morbidly obese. Is. But he's also had. But he's also legitimately. I will tell you right now. When the medical reports come out, whether it's when he's in prison or whether when he's like laid up somewhere, not being able to move because he's not going to be as jacked up on Adderall once he gets out because he doesn't have to perform for anybody once he's out of the plantation White House. This is all a big. I think this is all a big fucking show, and I think he's so jacked up on on Adderall or whatever else they they have to keep him standing upright that once he's done with this. He's gonna be. He's physically gonna collapse because he's not gonna be as pampered. He's not well, gonna those be. Addictions are hard to break. It's not even that. Mm-hmm. It's like the guys. The, the, the nobody's gonna. There are not gonna be all of those people around him, coercing him to go and prodding him to go and like pushing right, him no, to I go. Think you're right. and I think like, you're right about that because because you know when when one of the extraordinary things about the American post presidency is that first of all there aren't, aren't a lot of rules and secondly. You know, other than Obama, who has maintained a certain celebrity because of this particular moment, but as soon as George W. Bush left the White House, or Bill Clinton, even even with his wife, his career growing at there, you know, taking off at that point, and certainly presidents before him like George H. W. Bush, as soon as you leave, or Reagan, who was a giant of a figure in American politics, people don't care. I mean, they care. They don't want you to. You know, right. They, but you're not. I mean, it, it changes so fast. I mean, I was a, a colleague of mine. I was on a call. Was describing a book about how Harry Truman drove, drove in 1953 from Missouri after he left office from Missouri to uh, New York for a meeting or something. Drove with his wife. Like they got a big car in the 50s and they drove <laughs> yeah. across America. And he drove himself. Right. Right. Oh yeah. And so, so for Trump, like, like who's going to want to be around him? Just his family. Like no one else. None of these other sentiments. They, they, they they're going to be scared. They're going to try to cash in. You know, it, it will be the post-Trump presidency. There, there's a there's a great kind of you know, kind of like Faulknerian story to be written, novel to be written about that, but I'm not the one that's going to write it. It's definitely not going to be me, but I will de- I'll definitely read it, and I'm sure it'll be tweeted. <laughs> and I'm sure it's going to be, I was really, I'm just coming down, I mean, I really was hoping that there was going to be some type of like fucking yeah, I don't, I, I, I think bang that there are, and I've said this from the very beginning, there are no deus ex machinas, and there certainly are none now. We all know, everyone, there's no, there's no part of the story that's untold. 
Well, now everything you know, is out in the open. His racism is out in the open. His anti-Semitism is all in the open. Nothing is, like, veiled anymore. Yo, Semite, I'm talking over here. Yo, Semite. Go ahead. Let me tell you a story about this been rattling in my head since the beginning of the Trump years. When I was in maybe eighth grade, I made friends with this guy who was from Ohio. I lived in San Francisco at the time, and I know him from Ohio. And, you know, my family had voted, we were like Democrats forever, right? We never, left-wing Democrats, never very radical backgrounds. My mother had voted for McGovern as a first election. I was old enough to remember. I remember, like, the teacher taking me to the ballot booth to vote for McGovern in 72, and then Carter uh, in 76. And then, of course, Carter again in 80. And, and we was talking to this guy, and he was telling me about being in Ohio about, and going to a, when he has a small child, who's my age, to a Nixon rally in, like, 72 with his parents, right? And we were, like, say, 14, talking about something happened when he was five, right, or four. And he had a vague memory about this. Okay. And, and I kind of, and he could tell when I was looking at him that it was like, oh, that was, that's weird, right? And then he said, well, you know, that was before we, we knew all those bad, we knew how bad he was, right? He said that was before we knew how bad he was. And I remember thinking, well, I always knew how bad he was. Like, my mother always knew how bad he was. But then I remember, but then what strikes me today is that there's no, is that legitimately that guy, that kid, his parents could have learned between 1972 and 1976 things that changed their mind about Nixon, right? Right. But there's nothing to learn about Trump because everyone knew it, knew it from the beginning. Right. And, and it also strikes me, I, I tweeted something to this effect today. If Watergate happened today, Donald Trump and the Republicans would be saying it was George McGovern who broke into the who was the, you know, broke into the Democratic headquarters, and Fox News would be demanding an investigation of Sam Irvin, right? I mean, the the, the right wing kind of machinery and apparatus is so removed from reality, right? And and that's you know that that's the central question in post-Trump America is how do you rebuild America in that context? And to get back to Tish James just for a second, whereas we all hey, she didn't frog march Trump out of the White House yet, but. What she did uh, with the uh, with the NRA is significant because she is telling us, she's showing us how widespread the grift is. Right. How many people around Donald Trump and around the kind of Republican right wing movement are just in it for the money? A lot and, of fucking money, dude. A lot. I would. My jaw yeah. hit the. But, but you can talk about the NRA, but you can also talk about Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingraham and Schindler just in it for the money. It's just a grift for all of them. And that has poisoned the conservative movement. Now, I'm not a conservative, but if I were a conservative, and even if I believed in, in, a, in gun rights and that everyone should be able to, you know, like I didn't want any gun laws passed, it's still disgusting what the NRA is doing. Well, because they, they didn't not, give a shit. They don't give a shit about no. the laws. They don't give a shit about the people that are killed. They don't give a shit about any of those repercussions. They All they were doing was lining their pockets and their family members. It is the Trump grift. It really is right. the con man's con. But you see it now. I mean, I mean, I heard from someone who is, speaks to people on both sides of the aisle, right? And he was saying how a lot of his friends who are Republican donors are pissed off that they give money and the Trump people use it to buy Don Jr.'s books. right. Right, or or Wayne LaPierre's vacation house, or right. his flight on a jet. Right, it's not. I mean, I mean, when you when you give money to a political campaign, you do it thinking you're gonna you're gonna like like that money goes to ten yard signs, you know, or or or, or helps buy an ad on TV or something. If you're giving a small amount of money, if you need a lot amount of money. Think if I give a hundred thousand dollars, that's you know an hour of television ads in, in Chicago or some fucking thing. No, it's it's a vacation home. It's Don Trump's books. I mean, this is it's this so is, disgusting. It's so and, disgusting. And and so so. 
we are look, they're, they're But do they come out publicly and now scream and, and shout about the NRA or are they like they're sucker punched and they're just going to crawl away with their tail between their legs and no. know that they got got they're and they're just going to let it they go? They only know one response. Their response to everything is to scream fake news, to scream communist conspiracies. Yeah, but they have all the... She came with the receipts. I mean, you can't fake that. Yeah, she's a good lawyer. I mean, you know... I, I don't know what you're going to scream. I'm not, I, I think it's a big deal what she did today. I'm happy about it. I hope she fucking doesn't stop. Uh, and it's Well, not, we're it's waiting on Deutsche Bank. I th- Cy Vance is next, even though he's yeah. just as slimy. I mean, he's gross. But, I agree. But like, I don't think Tish James is slimy. I think she's good. No, Tish James is good, but I think the counterpoint to that is like now... Everybody's eggs are in the Cy Vance basket saying, like, is Deutsche, Deutsche Bank complied with the with the subpoena. People there were like, dude, we all knew that he it was bank fraud. And, the, and again, it's going to be you don't have to actually commit the act to be punished for the fraud. It's the intent. I've become, like, I want my law degree to be sent in the mail to me just from watching, like, Maddow and, like, you know, Barb McQuaid and, like, I, Joyce Vance. I'd have to check with my lawyer friends, but apparently you have to do more than watch MSNBC to get a law degree. I'm not sure. I'll call my cousin. At this point, lawyer. at this point, let me tell you, and, then, and now Maya Wiley, I mean, I don't even want to start this conversation because it's going to be another rant, but Maya Wiley's going to bang shit up when she runs for mayor of yeah, the city. And it can't happen soon enough because uh, Mr. Uh, Task Force and Checkpoint Charlie over there isn't doing a shit. It gets me too crazy. <laughs> That's the whole point of the rant. What do you mean you don't want you don't trust people coming in from from, from the bridge and tunnel crowd that they're gonna want to quarantine for fourteen fucking days? The guy's the mayor of New York. He doesn't know how the bridge and tunnel crowd works for right. fuck's I mean, sake. I, I don't. I, I have to say I don't understand any of this quarantine stuff because it's all self-imposed, right? You're supposed to get a card. Listen, you're supposed to come in from somewhere, be stopped. Who's stopping you when you drive through the Lincoln fucking tunnel or the Holland Tunnel? You can't. Where are you pulling over, A? What if you live here? B, what if you live here? Which is what they said because a lot of cars could have New York plates. And and they could be coming from New Jersey or they could be coming no, but like, from. I got to go get my. I got. On Saturday, Marta has to go pick up my younger son at Camp Girlfriend and bring him back to the city <laughs> to prepare for college. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah, but that might not be... Is that a hotspot state? It's supposed to be from... Yeah, it's, in, it's in New York State. I don't know. You're supposed to get stopped. People coming off the trains in Penn Station, there are supposedly people there, or this task force with cards and shit like that for a cell of trains coming up from Florida or shit like that, which is petrifying because these people are going to fuck our shit up and it's really pissing me off. But... They're supposed to take a card, fill out a card, which could which could be used to trace you. You can, if you don't have anywhere to stay, supposedly ask to stay in a hotel, ask to have food delivered, ask to have medications delivered. Dude, they can't come up with a plan to open the schools. They're going to try to contact trace and prevent people from coming in from the bridge and tunnel crowd to go to an illegal rave under the Kosciuszko Bridge without masks or go get brunch? My, my, son has a, my older son has a friend that lives in Midtown. Fuck out of here with that. It's never going to work. And he says that in Midtown Manhattan now, it's like parties at night on the streets. It is parties at night on the street. It's crazy. Between between the pandemic and my boot, I don't go out at all. I don't go out either, but I am plenty on Twitter and Instagram, and it is these these raves that are happening, and people like, people just need a release. Yeah, really? It's not, so it's asinine, and this mayor is sitting here saying, because his fireworks task force worked out so well. Oh, that was great. I mean, the cops are still not wearing masks. You, you, you're going to have a bridge and tunnel task force now? It's, as, it's ridiculous, and I hope Maya Wiley crushes him like a fucking bug. Well, he's not running. He can't run for again. Well, he needs to. Then he needs to get out now. He needs to fucking resign and let somebody come in. I, 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 I've always felt that de Blasio had no interest 
in a second term, except to prove that he get elected to a second term, which is stupid. Well, what is he proving now? That he's just, like, flaked out? Like, he doesn't give a fuck? Like, I don't know what the turning point was. You know, I tell you, I, I knew Bill years ago, and I would I would have been, this really surprises me. It really does, because... Is he this much of a tool? No, he wasn't. I mean, the thing about Bill was that he was always very progressive. When he ran, people attacked him from the left. I liked all that shit. And he was always very hardworking. That was what was weird about Bill, when you see him today. He was really hardworking back then. He wasn't... Frankly, the smartest, most dynamic guy, but he was a decent guy and he was really hardworking. And, and you know, the kind of, well, Bill will always outwork you, so he could win. Now it just seems like he's, he's, it's this imperial mayoralty, you know, which is just insane. It just seems like he absolutely is aloof and gives absolutely not a fuck in the world you know what, about you know what, what goes I would on. Suggest, you know what I would suggest for the mayor of New York? The first thing I would suggest, take Gracie Mansion and turn it into a museum or a, not a museum, or, or a place to, like, educate children or a COVID thing, like, we're going to have, shelter, you know, like, like, like tech support there for, for, for COVID or something. Make it a public building to help people. And the mayor lives in his or her apartment. That is a big deal. And I'll tell you why. Why? In other cities where they do that, it keeps the mayor grounded. Yeah. Right? And it saves money. And it sends a message. The mayor is a public servant just like every other elected official. Now, the president, you can understand, because you have to have... Security you know, and all that for shit, state yeah. And a lot of security, and you have a huge... You know, and he works and lives there. It's got, you know, so I understand that, national symbol and all of that. But there is City Hall, mm-hmm. right? City Hall is the office. I've been there. Right, that's where the mayor works. It is if... I mean, I'm thinking of San Francisco, where the mayor always lives in his or her home, in the neighborhood. And it's much a smaller city, but it works much better. Yeah, I think it keeps a level of respect. I think there's a level of like, right? And grounded. I mean, I mean, Ed Lee, who was the mayor of San Francisco uh, from about 2011 to 2018, and and um, he was a good guy. I didn't agree with him on a lot of things, but he's a good guy. I never agree with him on everything, but he was a good guy. And you know, it's so the first Chinese American mayor, which in the city of San Francisco is a big deal, right? And he set, tragically died in office as a not that old of a man and and he died in the Safeway in his neighborhood going grocery shopping and he like in the vegetable aisle or something right I, mean, I don't mean to let no I'm not like, I'm just saying it's like an average Joe but, thing to do right they called 911 and oh my god and they called 911 and, and they couldn't the doctors whatever couldn't save him he was dead and that was terrible um but I was listening to a podcast about this and they were talking about how sad it was and how terrible it was and one of the guests on the podcast who had known Ed Lee well and was a journalist or something and said, you know, the thing is, this is the, this is the safe way he always shopped in his neighborhood, blah, 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 blah. And it was out in kind of the southern, western part of the city. And she said, and he said, the reporter said, and just by the way, this was the cheaper safe way. He didn't go to the fancy one. Yeah. And like, that's the kind of guy he was. But like, that's the kind of guy he was because he stayed in the neighborhood. You know? But it's also something to be said when people see you out and about in the neighborhood and people can, you know, you're more a little more approachable, you're a little bit more tuned in, you're a little bit more aware, you're, because right. just you're in it. You're just in it every day. Right, and it's just, and, and you have to take, you have to get back to, and, and Bill's place, park, park, uh, Park's Love, my Wiley, I don't know what neighborhood she lives in. I know, but that was also why he got a lot of shit for taking the helicopters right. when he was jumping to try to beat the traffic and all this other right. bullshit so my, when we're my, like... My, 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 get rid of Gracie Mansion. Stop it. Stop with the Imperial mayoralty. Stop with all the... You know, stop with this. It's dramatically cut back on all of the kind of pomp and circumstance expenses around the mayor. Treat it like a working job. And, and I was just going to say, do the damn job. And then the people will expect the mayor to work. Yeah, do the damn job. Especially now more than ever. I mean, fuck. 
It's yeah. just, it's, it's, oh, someone's at the door. And on that note. All right. Good job, Linky. Let the hair go. Let it breathe, dude. I hope you feel better. Thanks for sure. We got more to we got more to rant about. There's gonna be a lot more to rant about. I'll check yeah. in on you later. All right. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. All right. So you got the advice from Lincoln Mitchell. It is Joe Biden and so and so and whoever the fuck it is. You vote the fucking ticket. We get out of this fucking mess. We start. We put on our big people pants. We pull ourselves up by the fucking bootstraps, shoe straps, shoelaces, flip-flops, whatever the fucking kind of shoes you're wearing, and we fix this shit. Whether it's Joe, I am 100,000% with Lincoln, whoever's on the ticket, that's who, you, that's who we vote for, goddammit, because we don't want to go through another four years of this shit. That's for damn sure, and that's all I'll say. And I will say, listen to Lincoln's Mitchell Minute, uh, at Lincoln Mitchell on the Twitter, at Lincoln A. Mitchell on the Instagram. I will provide the link to his YouTube, um, and you can go watch him on YouTube if you prefer If you prefer that option. There's always options. You can go check out his website, LincolnMitchell.com. We could, we could vote for his hair. Let his hair fly. Let, the, let your freak flag fly, Linky. Let the hair breathe, baby. Let it breathe. Um, and... Join us nightly, join us, me, uh, every night, 8 o'clock, on the Doodleheads, on the Instagram, the live coronavirus DJ jam. We are teetering on night 150 in a row at this point. We are getting close to 150 straight nights of chilling with the jam fam. Uh, So come dip in and hang with the peeps. Um, Bring some peeps. The more the merrier. Misery loves company, however you want to look at it. That's where we're at. There's going to be some big changes coming up for a lot of people in the jam fam. Uh, and the only way you're going to know what they are is if you come and hang out uh, with us and, and you get all the uh, inside scoopness. Uh, otherwise, you have to wait for it to be tweeted out or put on my Instagram story because you know, obvs, that's going to happen. Oversharing, hashtag oversharing. Uh, you can find that on the, on the Instagram, at Doodleheads. You can find me in the Twitterverse if I'm not in fucking Twitter jail, at Small Pencil Club. Um, and yo, Semites, what's up? Uh, shout it out, holla back. Um, Keep uh, keep thinking about the uh, the unbelievable tragedy in Beirut. That is a unreal situation, and I, I literally I will say this: it was amazing. Numbers like often don't really impact me in a way, but the Edward R. Murrow Building in Oklahoma was flattened with two tons of explosives by that white supremacist shitbag Timothy McVeigh. Uh, this explosion was twenty seven hundred tons of like ammonium nitrate. It was batshit fucking crazy, and now there's over 300,000 people that are homeless. Israel has offered aid, which I hope they take, because honestly, sometimes you you put the politics on the shelf and you help fucking people. And there are a lot of people over there hurting, and it's not the people. It's the corrupt as fuck politics that, that fuck shit up. And even Israel can put the politics aside. And, and, and bring in help. And I hope that the people of Lebanon take it. And I hope that the um, and I hope that the government takes it. And I hope there are no fucking strings attached. And I hope that maybe this is a starting point to bring more peace uh, to the Middle East and to the world. I, I am not on a platform. I am not on a soapbox. I am not a Middle East expert. I just know that people are sick and tired of watching people suffer. And maybe somebody could pay a little bit of attention to Yemen. Maybe they can arrest the fucking cops that are still walking free who killed Breonna Taylor. There's a lot of work still to, still to get done. The shit ain't over. And um, stay focused. 
stay pissed, register to vote, get your friends to register to vote, and get their friends to register to vote so that we could start climbing our way out of this clusterfuck of a shithole. And on that note, uh, I'm going to say peace and hair grease. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.